Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. Thank you so much, Sarah, for reading. Dear friends, brothers and sisters, we all at times experience a tension between our duty and our delight, a tension between the things we know we should do that are good to do and the things actually we like and long for, desire to do. I think there is no person who has never experienced this tension. Of course, you can try to solve that problem. For instance, you might say, well, I take it this way, it is my duty to do what is my delight. I won't do anything than the things I long for. But probably that won't work. For instance, if you look at children, if they would say, well, I don't like to go to school, uh, you wouldn't agree with that. So perhaps that wouldn't work for you either. There are things that have to be done, otherwise life uh, turns into chaos. But the other way w wouldn't work either. It wouldn't work if you would say, well, just do your duty, do what you have to do, and then delight and pleasure maybe follow or may, maybe not. For you have a heart with its longings and desires. You can ignore it for some time, but I'm sure nobody is able to ignore his heart or her heart forever. So we have a tension here between the things we know that are good and the things our hearts long for. And today we hear, apart from the Bible, from a new book today, we start reading that book, the book of Psalms. And it begins with an exclamation how blessed, how happy, how, how, how great is the person. And if you've listened carefully, you heard that there was said, how blessed the person who has his delight, his pleasure, his joy in the law of God. So in this person, this person that is called blessed, happy, there is no tension because 
what he has to do, the perfect law of God, everything that is right and good, is the delight, is the joy of this person. So the topic of this psalm is happiness in, in doing what you should do. Now, is this possible or is this just uh, wishful thinking? Let's go deeper into this psalm today. First of all, what is a psalm? What kind of a book do we start uh, to read today? In the beginning of the Bible, you find five books that are really illuminating and enlightening our minds about what the universe is all about. So in the first five books, it shows where everything begun, what everything was made for, the purpose of everything. In these five books, we also read the diagnosis of the problems. Where do all the problems come from? It has something to do with sin, with breaking God's laws. So God says, this is good, but man wouldn't do that. And these first five books also contain promises of the creator that though we don't do what is good, God still promises that he will go on and that he will bring a solution for all of this. So these five, five books are very insightful for us to know what it is all about and also to know what our duties are, what we should do. By the way, in the beginning of the New Testament, you also find five books. They belong together, written by the evangelists, and they even give us more insight, more light, what it is all about. So for whom it was all made, there is a person, Jesus Christ, the king of the universe. He is the purpose of everything. And he came to solve our problem, to carry our sins. And he made promises to us. If we repent and believe, we will receive eternal life. So in the beginning of the Old Testament and in the beginning of the New Testament, five great books containing, well, the words of God, the deeds of God, great. But we don't only have minds that need truth, that need insight. We also have hearts. Hearts with longings, desires, things we hate, things we love and long for. And God knows that. Our head needs attention. We need to come to know the truth. But perhaps even more, our hearts need healing, need attention. For we have a lot of problems with our longings, with our angers, our fears, our joys. Now, if you want to pay attention to your heart, if you want to know what there is in the heart of Jesus, the Savior King, and if you want to come to know what there is in the heart of God's people and in the heart of man, start to pay attention to the book of Psalms. You always find it in the Bible in the middle of the Bible, and it is a book filled with songs and prayers from the heart. Now, this book begins with two psalms, and these two psalms, Psalm 1 and 2, in 
old manu manuscripts, these two are even seen as one psalms, as one psalm. They belong together, but they contain too much uh, for one, one sermon. So next week we move on to Psalm 2. These two psalms, you could say, form the gate through which you enter this book with hymns, with prayers of the people of God. It, they form a pathway of prayer and of singing, and um, they end up in great praise. But first there is that gate that welcomes us in. There is a choir singing. How blessed, how happy, how great is that man in whom, well, duty and delight go together. Now let's have a closer look today at this psalm. What shall we do today? First we shall see what the psalm says about this person. Then we will ask, to whom does this psalm apply? And then thirdly, we will ask the question, and what is the proper use then of this psalm? How, sh how should we use this psalm? So first, what is in the psalm? Then to whom does it apply? And thirdly, uh, what is the proper use? Now, if you take a look at Psalm 1, um, what is in it? I think you can easily divide it into three parts. In the first part, verses 1 and 2, if you have your Bibles, you can look at it with me. Bibles differ a bit in how they divide uh, the passage, but I think the best option would be to divide it in three. The first two verses mention two persons, two kinds of persons. That blessed man, but in the background you see also other persons, two persons. Then in verses 3 and 4, you find two pictures. And then in verses 5 and 6, you find two perspectives. So two persons, two pictures, two perspectives. Let's have a better look at each of these. First, two persons. Well, in verses 1 and 2, the key figure is that blessed man. He, he knows what it is all about. He has received the law, the revelation of God. He knows his duty. And he rejoices in it. Day and night he thinks about it and, and he's walking in that way. But this person is not the only person in the first two verses. In fact, it seems that this person is quite alone. This person is quite alone, whereas on the background we see a great majority. We see the majority of the people who walk, it is said, in the council of the wicked. The council, not the council as we have a council at ICF Delft, but the council, the advice, the, the wisdom of. So there is a great majority that says, we have wisdom, we have insight, nobody needs to tell us, we all know it, what we uh, want to do, but in fact they know not, they know nothing about what God says about it. They are also called the sinners. What is a sinner? Well, a sinner is the one who acts according to these wrong thoughts. So he may see what God says, don't do that. But his counsel says, you can do that. See, it's good. Decide to do that. But then you sin, which means you, you transgress the law of God. And then thirdly, they are also uh, called... Um, um, scoffers, mockers. So 
not only do they break the laws of God, but if they hear what God says that is good, they think, that's ridiculous. That's, how could you believe that that would be good? They laugh at it. it, it for them, it is crazy to do so. So, again, in these first two verses, we see two persons. First, a blessed man, and then a type of a person who is with a great, great majority who, who, who does not know about it, who does not go that way, but who loves about that way. These are the two persons. And you see that the blessed person, the person about whom is said, how happy that man, he stands alone. For many times he has to say, no, I'm sorry, I won't join you in this way. No, I'm sorry, I won't decide to do that. No, no, I don't sit with you, I'm not with you in laughing about this. Actually, I think it's very good. Quite alone is this person. Now we listen to the choir that is singing this psalm. They say, how blessed, how happy. But we might wonder, is this person really happy? Is this person really blessed? He seems to be a stranger, a ridiculous stranger. How can he believe that he ever will be a happy man? But then the psalm moves on. It says, let me explain you. Let me show you why this is a happy person. Let me give you two pictures. So verses 3 and 4, we get two pictures taken from the atmosphere of agriculture. First, we see a tree planted by water streams. What a beautiful tree is this. It has its roots deeper and deeper where the water is. And because of that, when the sun shines, it continues to grow. It has green leaves. These leaves do not wither. And in time, this this tree brings forth delicious, wonderful fruit. So this tree nourishes people, refreshes people. This, this tree is a blessing for, for, for many others. How wonderful. And then the psalm continues and says, in all that he does, so this person, this blessed person who has his delight in his duty in the law of God, he prospers. So he undertakes to do what is said that he should do and he prospers. He flourishes. He's great. By the way, this tree in the first psalm reminds us of a tree that we find in the first five books of the Bible. In the first book of Genesis, we also find a tree in paradise in the middle. The tree of life. Giving life. Wow. But then there is also another picture. We see again that great mass of people who are ignorant about the duties of God, about what we should do, and who refuse to do those things, who transgress God's laws, who laugh at these laws and mock at them. What is the picture that applies to them? They are like chaff. So when the harvest is there, when the grain is brought in, then... um, the chaff is blown away. Somebody may put it on fire, then phew, it, it, it is on fire for a few seconds, and then it's gone. So here we see that although it seems that blessed man is very lonely, 
it seems that he's not blessed, and it seems more attractive to be in the company of all the others who have company, who have some, some, some freedom, etc. When you look at the pictures, it's quite clear. You wouldn't like to be like that chaff. Wouldn't you more appreciate to be like that tree? And then the psalm moves on and gives, as a sort of a conclusion, two perspectives. Two perspectives. It starts with the perspective of the wicked. The wicked, by these, are meant all those who do not know about the duties of God. They ignore them, and they don't do them. They transgress them. They find no joy in them. And then it says that finally, in the end, the creator of the universe, who has made these laws, who has explained, if you do this, there will be blessings, things will be fine. If you don't do it, there will be curse, things will be wrong. The psalm says, finally, in the judgment, these people will not stand. And finally, this is amazing what we read here, finally, those who belong to the mass stand alone, whereas the righteous have a company. So things are turned. First, this man seemed to be alone and there was the company of, of many others. But finally, everything is different. There is a company of righteous persons and they stand in the judgment, whereas the sinner uh, cannot stand. And then there is also a perspective for the present life. That is the final conclusion of the psalm. It says... The Lord knows the way of the righteous. So it may seem that the person who delights in doing his duty is alone, but he's not alone. The God of the universe looks at him and says, my pleasure, my delight, you are what I want you to be, and, and I am with you, I support you. You're not alone, I am with you. So the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the other perspective, everyone who ignores the law of the Lord um, these, the, they are on a way that, that, uh, that will perish. So now we know what is in the psalm. Two persons, two pictures, two perspectives. But now I think the question is extraordinarily important. Uh, to whom does this psalm apply? Is this, so we hear them sing, the, those singers at the gate of the book of Psalms, how blessed is the one, how blessed is the man who does not, who does not, but delights in the word of God. Who is this person? Are you that person? Am I that person? You might think this is wishful thinking. How, how wonderful would it be if I would always delight in what God says? To be honest, that's not always the case. Wishful thinking, how, how great would it be if there would be such a person? Or we could also read it, I think many people read this psalm as a sort of exhortation. Let's try harder. Um, I've not prayed enough. I've not read my Bible enough. So perhaps if I try harder, uh, then I will be like this man. If I don't like to do what I have to do, let's, let's force myself to like what I don't like. Probably that won't work. Who are the ones who sing this psalm? 
what I will now say is very important not only to understand this psalm, but to understand the whole book of psalms. The whole book of psalms was designed to be prayed and sung by the people of God where they gathered in the temple to meet God and they were singing together with the priests, the Levites, and in front of them would be the king. The king anointed by God. Why did they have a king? Because the people of God often were in great trouble. Why was the people of God in trouble? Because often they did not rejoice in doing what God said. They only did it outward, but their heart hated it. Or oftentimes they would simply transgress the laws of God and do other things. And because of that, curse would come time after time, trouble would come time after time over God's people. They were in trouble. They needed somebody to save them, to help them. Now God gave them a king. One of the most famous anointed kings is David. He was a sort of a shepherd king, a savior king. But God to David promised one day there will be a real savior king. Now back to how were the psalms first sung, all the psalms sung by God's people, led by the anointed king. So imagine the king was singing, and together with the king, the people were singing. Now, if we apply this to this psalm, then we see the people of God singing, how blessed is the man who who delights in his duty, duty. Now, indeed, this is some encouragement for the king. Please, king, read, as you should do according to Moses, read the law of God. As it is said about Joshua, Joshua should read the law of God by day and by night. Please, king, be a faithful, pious king. Then you can be our savior king. Wishful thinking. But they also knew our king is not like that, but such a king is promised. Yes, there is a wish, but it's not just wishful thinking. It's looking forward to the coming of this promised king who indeed will save us. So let's be clear, the psalm in the first place does not apply to us. This might feel a bit sad. Sometimes I see people, they hear that the book of psalms is a Holy Spirit inspired book of prayers and songs. They are encouraged, for instance, by their pastor, use that book, read that book. They start, after some time they stop, they say, I don't feel like that, or I am not like that. True, indeed, we are not like that. So, often we know not our duty, often we go not that way, often we do not delight in it. Let's be honest. Let the Holy Spirit make us honest for God that we are not like that. Admit that. And rather see the key person of the whole book of Psalms. Who is the key person? If you don't take that then you will miss the whole book of Psalms. You will think, well, it's an interesting book, many emotions, but you miss the key person. Who is the key person in Psalm 1 and Psalm 2? Who is that blessed man? You find him in Psalm 2 as well. If you read Psalm 2, it might become more clear. 
Who is that blessed man who is like a tree, giving life in the midst of paradise? Be aware that when Jesus Christ lived on this earth, like all his Jewish friends, he would learn from childhood to sing psalms by heart. Every Jew would learn that. Jesus also learned this psalm. And when he was singing with others this psalm, blessed is the man, he knew, this is about me. God had said this about him. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. He could indeed say, it's my delight to do your law. Your law is in my heart. Do you see the beauty of Jesus Christ? He's not like us. He knows the will of his Father, and he delights to do the will of his Father. What is the will of his Father? The will of his Father is to save us, to be our Savior King, and to bring us to see the glory of God. How wonderful. So yes, Jesus was the one who forsook the the wrong ways. He always said, no, I won't do that. And because of that, he stood alone. Who has ever been alone? Like Jesus, look at Jesus hanging on the cross. He was rejected and mocked at by the nations, by the Romans. He was rejected by his own people, by the religious leaders of his own people. He was left by his friends. And for our sake, he was even left by God to bring us back to God. He stood alone. But God rose him. He made that cross the tree of life. He is the tree of life. He brings life to the world. And yes, he is the one who finally will stand in judgment. Now, we see the psalm in the first place applies to Jesus. But our question, of course, is can it also apply to us? Answer, yes. But not in the way you would think. Not in the way, let's try harder to read my Bible, to pray, and then I might one day be like the man in this psalm. That will never work. If you read on in Psalm 2, then you will find that as Psalm 1 starts with uh, an outcry, blessed is the man, happy is the man, then you will find out that Psalm 2 will end with that same word, blessed. Blessed who? Blessed the one who takes refuge in this man. So what is the good news for us today? This man, Jesus, is alive. He is the tree of life. And we, with our big problems, our problems of mind, of insight, we don't know the right ways of God. And we don't long for them. We don't desire for them. And therefore, we don't go these ways. This is our problem, our disease. We are blind, we are lame, we are paralyzed, we are, we are ill, we are like the leaper from within. But see who Jesus is. With that all, you can come to him. He calls you, even where you are dead in sins, he calls you. Hear him call you now. Come to me, come to me. I will give you life. I will forgive you. What is in me, I will give to you. I am the tree in life. What a good news is there in the midst of this psalm. What a blessed man is Jesus. And through him, we can not only be saved, 
but through the Holy Spirit and through these words, we can become like him. We become transformed. He begins to write his laws in our heart so that we see the joy of our duty, that we become like him. Oh, do you see how much we need this psalm? How great this psalm is. So let's ask our third question. Um, What is the proper use of this psalm? Let me mention three things how we should use this psalm. By the way, I say use, and I think that's a very good word for the book of psalms. The book of psalms, you could see as a toolbox. Now, tools are there to be used. So, last week, last two weeks, we were talking about prayer. And I think I heard many times that people said, I struggle a bit with prayer. Well, good to be honest. Who doesn't struggle with prayer? But then the question could be, do you use the toolbox? So do you use the, the Lord's Prayer as a model for your prayer? Do you, do you use the book of Psalms? So imagine a boy, he is trying to make a wardrobe. His teacher comes and, 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 and he says to his teacher, I can't fix it. I can't make this wardrobe. And then the teacher says, but you don't use your toolbox. Now, um, we have a toolbox for prayer. We have a toolbox in the midst of the Bible, a book of songs, a book of prayers, Holy Spirit inspired. It's complete from Psalm 1 until Psalm 150. It contains, well, everything we need to learn to pray. The church has always done that, by the way. So not only in the Old Testament has the people of God been praying the Psalms. Look at the New Testament. Look at the book of Acts. When you see that they pray, which words do they use? They pray with the Psalms. Colossians, Ephesians, Paul says, well, together sing Psalms. Okay, you may make other songs, but start with the Psalms. They are good school to learn to pray and to sing. They are the perfect hymns. So throughout the ages, early church, the Middle Ages, the monks, the Reformation, always they started to say, well, Let's have the psalms so that we can sing them. I think it's only a very modern thing that we, that, we, that we lost the psalms. And I think in losing the psalms, we, we really use, lose the, the, the toolbox we need for our hearts. Sorry, this was a bit a long excursion. Let's go back. What is the proper use of this psalm? Three things shortly. First, Hear and believe what it says. So like the Lord's Prayer, some people say, well, just let's say these words and then trust it will be fine. No, it's better to understand the words of the Lord's Prayer. Same for the Psalms. First, understand, hear God speak through them, understand what's there. See the law, see the gospel, rejoice. Then then you know what it is about. That's what we try to do. Second, how do we use it? After we hear and understand them, sing and proclaim them. That's what we will do in a minute, to sing and proclaim the psalms. Psalms are there to be used. So they are there to be sung together. We sing them to him. Blessed is the man. Some people have tended to say, I won't sing psalms, I want to worship Jesus. Well, I don't know of any better songbook to worship and praise Jesus than the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man. 
great to know that Jesus himself was also singing these songs. So there is no book about Jesus so great as the book of Psalms, I believe. So sing it as praise and worship, but also sing it that you may be transformed in singing it. So in the world we get many ideas about what blessedness, but what happiness is. You are happy if, if you buy this or that, if you do this or that. So our hearts need transformation. And in singing these psalms, it comes deeper in us. So let's sing and proclaim it also for ourselves and also for others. If you think about evangelism and outreach, you can have many, many ideas about it. I think in the early church, one of the ways outreach was done was God's gathered church singing. Happy is the person, happy is the person. And when people are passing, when people are seeing this fellowship, this community, they think happiness. It seems they are happy. Where did you get, did they get this from? So is our worship so attractive that others think, wow, they have found some happiness. Can I have it also? So hear and understand it. Sing and proclaim it. Thirdly, remember and live it. Remember and live it. One of the sad things today, I think, is we have so many good songs that we always tend to learn a new song, a new song, a new song, a new song, and we soon forget the songs. I observed, by the way, the children's song. We have sung it quite a lot of times. I observed this week, somewhere in the week, I find myself singing this song because we were repeating it. So then you are able to remember it. And if you are able to remember it, it, it it's going to do its work. Remember Peter. Peter always said, you should remember things. To remember God's word, word keeps you awake. So we are not always in the church. Um, most of our time we spend in our daily lives. But if we have exercise to remember these words of God, then they go with us. So in the week, it seems very sad to do what God commands you. And you may feel very happy, you think, if you transgress God's laws. What God says seems to be ridiculous. But then comes in your mind that wonderful choir, that wonderful song, blessed is the man. And then you think of that blessed man, Jesus, who bought you with his own blood on the cross and who brought his law in you. And then you know, okay, now I know what I have to do. I may suffer a bit. I may be a stranger in exile, but I am blessed. I am on the blessed way and I will be blessed. Oh, how great this book of Psalms. I hope I hope you have tasted what is there, for it's not only for understanding, it is to be tasted, to be felt. And I hope you will join next week to see the second half of this psalm. Let us pray. Father God, thank you that you know us. You did not only make us with a mind, but also with a heart. You pay attention to it. You know by nature it is as a stone for your law. But Lord, thank you for giving us Jesus. When we see you, Jesus, hanging on the cross, it breaks our hearts. And Lord, we pray that you, that you open our eyes and our hearts for the joy of that book of Psalms that you gave to us. That we may learn to get acquainted with it, to sing it, 
and uh, to grow in faith in you through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you may be here or at home and you may feel, I don't really feel blessed. There is so much going on in my life. Or you may say, I feel very blessed because everything is going fine. But pay attention to God's word that says, blessed are those who take refuge in him. If you have come to Jesus, you will be blessed. Jesus says, I am with you all the days. Whatever is going on, whatever you have done, know that you are blessed. And therefore, receive the blessing of our Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.